This week's episode is sponsored by Jagged Edge Productions and ITN Studios' Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2. Only in theaters, March 26th to March 28th. The suspenseful and thrilling sequel to last year's immense hit, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, amplifies the gore factor with ten times the number of kills to put fans both new and old at the edge of their seats. After Christopher Robin reveals their existence, Winnie the Pooh, Piglet, Tigger, and Owl land on the endangered species list as hard targets. Unwilling to hide in the shadows, the ultimate scream team embarks on a murderous rampage through the town of Ashdown to get their revenge on Christopher Robin, once and for all. So don't miss out, and mark your calendars to catch the limited engagement of Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2, only in theaters March 26th to March 28th. Tickets are available now. Welcome to Nightlight, our horror movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Night alongside me. I got Freddie. Always giving that spoopy. Always and forever, also known as Nighty Night. We are a group of knights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror. This is a podcast that takes a different horror film to break down, discuss the ultimate question. Why horror? So the lights, sit back, and let the darkness envelop you. If you like that and want extra horror-related content, head over to patreon.com slash nightlightpod. That's time for the one. K. And we are in a brand new month. Specifically, one of the months I've been looking forward to the most. Hell yeah. <laughs> Power to the people. Power to the people indeed. Because this month is our Ghoulish Nights Selects month. Usually at the end of each month, our Ghoulish Nights over on Patreon.com slash Nightlight with a K. Karen? Chooses the films that we watch. I decided that we're going to have them do that for the entire month for us this time around. Holy shit, did they come out swinging. (laughs) (laughs) We got a big one here. Oh, my God. So the first films that we actually had lined up for this month were Nightmare on Elm Street versus Friday the 13th. Who won? You clicked the episode. Nightmare on Elm Street. If you didn't read the episode title. (laughs) Nightmare on Elm Street 100% won. And holy shit, that was actually a close one, though. It, it was, was a close it was battle. Close. Yeah, yeah. Bear Freddy comes to win the prize. Exactly. Hunting everybody in their dreams and shit. That's how Freddy does. It is what it is. Not our Freddy. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I do the opposite of hunting uh, oh, in your dreams, you take know. Off. Hey yo. <laughs> Bing bong. Bing bong. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we gotta give a special shout out to these patrons who actually made this month possible. Kate, Kayla, Philip, Zach, uh, Nashia, Frank, Kit, Kristen, Laura, Bragalock, Spencer, Legion Podcast, uh, Lizzie. Josh, Vaughn, did it again. <laughs> we love you all. We love you all. But for some reason, I clicked on it and it didn't It didn't accept it. Okay. We're going to start that over. Kate, Kayla, Philip, Zachary, Nashia, Frank, Kristen, Lizzie, Josh, Vaughn, Alexis, Johnny, Layla, Eric, Kelly, Daniel, Cheyenne, David, also known as Knightley, Carrie, Stu, 
Anna, Stephanie, Calvin, Drew, Patrick, oh, hello, Jared, uh, Jessica, Jasmine, Chantal, Rio, Jesse, Joe, Kaylee, Rob, and last but certainly not least, Freddie. Thank you all so much for supporting the grind. Truly, this month alone would not be possible without all of you, especially choosing the films for us to select. We got some heavy hitters for everybody. Yeah. We, we're, we got Giallo films in there. We got uh, fucking French extremity films in there. Oh it's going to be great. 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 I'm very excited. I'm excited too. <laughs> very yeah, yeah. excited, as you can see. But, as, as we stated earlier in the episode, it's none other than A Nightmare on Elm Street. First and foremost, Freddie, thoughts. Oh man! Um, obviously, this is one of like the holy grails, right? We have one of our most iconic villains ever on screen, yeah. uh, Freddy Krueger. Uh, as someone who shares the name, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> when I introduce myself to people, and they're like, "Oh yeah, Freddy Krueger," I'm like, "Nope, just Freddy." Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's me. Just, or, just, just good old at this Freddy. Point, call me Frederick. <laughs> it's like don't even call me that anymore. Um, back in my old job, someone used to come in all the time and he just used to call me Freddy Krueger. I'm just like, sure, why not? I had this wow. Um, I take it. But offense. the movie's, the movie's uh, <laughs> iconic, you know? Like, it uh, it's really good. It's well crafted. It's perfectly I feel 80s like, cheese. Yes, but it's also really ahead of its time. Oh, absolutely. They got some visual effects on here that they do practically that look amazing. And at the same time, I'm scratching my head. I'm like, how did he pull that off? <laughs> Especially the stuff they put on the ceiling and stuff like that. And some yeah. of the scenes, I'm just like, hmm. Yeah, filmmaker, hella smart. <laughs> uh, and Wes Craven does what he does best. I mean, he is iconic for having these like high school-ish uh, cast members going through trauma and going through having people try to believe them and trying to fight for their own lives and standing up for each other and right. being there for each other. There's a lot of good themes up here of like friendship, relationships. Um, um, and it's really cool to see and having a character like Nancy in here and seeing how powerful she gets and she kind of fights for herself towards the end. She's like, I'm not afraid anymore. I'm coming after you. And that's something that's really badass and very empowering, especially to see this, uh, like female protagonist too. And this early, uh, age was like really cool to see. Mm -hmm. Um, it's very, um, it, it's badass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Freddy's fucked up, man. <laughs> uh, he's wild and he's kooky. He's crazy, but he has this like still sinister side of him too. Like you are scary, but at the same time, you're kind of like playing with your prey. And that's also a very scary aspect of who he is. Um, and I, I think the thing that's very iconic too is like the shape of his glove and how he creates that. And we got to see that in the very beginning of the film. Mm -hmm. And it's something that's like, who is this kind of person that would make this kind of thing? Yeah. And we kind of see this embodiment of this character who's pretty fleshed out uh, throughout the film. And we get to learn more probably through the sequels. But uh, we get a good understanding of his storyline, the backstory. It's kind of feels like an urban legend coming to life. And being able to play with so much with reality and the visions of like the dreams. And I always tell people it's like movies is where dreams come to life. Oh, and when sure. you have a movie that shows dreams coming to life, damn, that's like meta in its own thing. It's like, look at what we're capable of and what we can do and kind of blend the two worlds of dreams and reality together. And that's yeah. kind of like what film does for us and be able to relate to some of these characters and want them to survive because they all seem pretty likable. Um, and it, it, they have great kills in it as well. 
Yeah. Uh, it's brutal as fuck. Yeah. Uh, the adults suck. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, why? Why aren't you not doing the thing she just said to do? And it's like one of those movies where you want to scream at the screen because like some of the characters don't do like the right thing all yeah. the time. Uh, and there's a great comp- uh, composition with exposition as well with how she treats her character. Like you see all the empty coffee cups and stuff like that. She right. hides a coffee maker under her bed. <laughs> um, you see the extremities these characters put themselves in to survive. Oh, for and sure. And you feel that in the movie. Oh, yeah. And I feel like a lot of movies don't do that these days where you really understand where the characters are coming from and what they're trying to do. And you see their motivation, their purpose. And it, it makes sense. They even talk about, hey, I've been awake for seven days. But it's okay. I thought the Guinness World Record, it's 11, it's 11. days. <laughs> it's like, you see, like, they do their research. They do their thing. Like, these yeah. are not, like, dumb characters as well. But sometimes they fall into that category of that trope of, like, ah, oh, dumb teenagers. God damn it. <laughs> but you really see that mostly with the adults. But there's a lot of stuff to discuss in this movie. It's only an hour and a half, which is great. Yeah. But so much happens. There's a lot going on. Yeah. There's a lot going on. Obviously, we love, I love this movie. movie. <laughs> Obviously, we love this movie. It's, it's, it's an Emerald Elm Street. Like, it, it, it's, it's fucking classic. It's a, it's a, a great movie. Um, I think even if, if you would have seen it at the time, like, I would definitely probably be fucking terrified of this film. Right. You know, I would be so scared to go to sleep. And even me as a kid, like, I remember this i i remember not watching this movie but just having my cousins and my brother just sing the nursery rhyme over right. and over and over again that alone would scare the shit out of me as a child it's funny they never explain it but no. it's it's creepy no, it's just creepy. that's all that matters it's, that's it that's all you need right. right so like you know this this movie um it has a chokehold on on the genre and yeah. it's it's interesting because of the fact that this is the last one out of i guess the the main four that came out around this time or yeah four i think so um that came out around this time in the 70s and the 80s that uh hasn't had the reboot 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 treatment right right i mean we had a, a remake of of night around elm street but didn't do hot Right, Michael Bay's remake. We'll probably never forget it. Didn't do too hot. A lot of people try to say that you know all all these things of like we were too hard on it and things like that. I tried rewatching it again recently. I don't think we were hard on it at all. But <laughs> not hard enough on it. Um, I, I you know I think I think that movie's fine for what it is. But there there are also just aspects that are just like Ugh, this just doesn't work in some ways. But. Whatever. Besides the point, we're not talking about that one. But, <laughs> oh, wait. I saw the wrong movie. Yeah, wrong kidding, movie. Oh, shit. Uh, but, you know, it, it it's interesting that this one has been stuck so deeply w- with so many different, like, um, uh, like legal issues and, and copyright stuff and things like that to where people couldn't get the rights to the film again. There's been all these weird, sh- weird things kind of going on with the film. Same thing that happened with Friday the 13th. But Friday the 13th, they're thing went up a24 scooped it up and now we're getting um crystal lake right um which holy fuck we're getting it by brian fuller too so double holy fuck (laughs) um so it's a good hands exactly and i'm glad that for that it's doing the tv show treatment right i'm hoping the same for a nightmare on elm street i'm hoping if Mm -hmm. if we do get another one i'm hoping noes is going to be 
a TV show because I feel like there, there's so many levels to this that they can just go with and just, you know, recreate it into a TV show because they've done it before. They've done it before in the past. There is an, uh, a, a, a Freddy Krueger TV show, for example, that came out in like the late 80s or something like that or early 90s, one of the two. Um, and that's also available in Screenbox, I think. I think they're, uh, what are they called? I think they're called Freddy's Nightmare, something like that. Freddy's Nightmares. Yeah, Freddy's Nightmares. Came out in 1988, and there's 44 episodes. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Ran, ran for two seasons. So, like, episodes. and it was an anthology show. That's cool. And from what I remember, it was fine. You know, like, it wasn't wasn't groundbreaking, but it was fine. It was it was good enough to, to, to really, um, you know, add more. To yes. the story and um, but the concept really itself cool. with like dreams and nightmares, you could really push the envelope to whatever you want it to be. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I'm I'm curious to see you know what happens next. I'm curious if they were to bring that back because if anything, uh, the, I asked a question on Twitter last month about uh, it, it, what would people want from a remake. We got a, I got a lot of really really great ideas. A lot of really like some people even like full blown sending scripts that they've written of prequels and and, and <laughs> requels cool. and shit like that. And I thought that was cool. And you know, I it was cool seeing like people's ideas. Um, but the one that I didn't see pop up was I would remake Freddy's Nightmares. And and that's what I would do. I would want to remake that more than anything. I would right. want to bring back an anthology TV show, and I think that alone would be pretty cool. But the only reason why I think it wouldn't work is because we don't have someone as iconic as um, Robert England. Robert England to right. you know be Freddy and well, voice Freddy. Fun. They can like, like make it like kind of like a creep show where they have like a that's horror how host and oh that, shoot. yeah, that's how it was. It was very. It was pretty much like that. Never so heard. that's why I, you know that's why I don't think it would work as well you today. Know, we just got David Dasmalchen as uh, uh, what's, what's his character? Uh, Count in, something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't Crowley know. Crowley or something it. like that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, have He's him funny. post it. <laughs> Shout out to him. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think they even opened up that season with like uh, the pilot episode was directed by fucking Toby Hooper. Oh, so yeah. yeah, so it's it's nuts, man. So I would I would definitely say check that out. It, it, like I said, it's available on Screenbox if you want to check that one out. But Man, let's jump into this, man. It. It's been too long <laughs> since we visited this movie. I think the last time I watched this movie was when it was me, you, David, right. Bella. In your house. Yeah, my house. That's right. I think this was like one of the first movies we all saw together. It was. Yeah. Like we've all watched yeah. it together in my house. Yeah. And that was the last time I watched this movie yeah. like before watching it. It's definitely it a right fun now. movie to watch with friends, dude. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's so much fun. A Nightmare on Elm Street, directed by Wes Craven, released on my birthday, what November sixteenth, nineteen eighty four. I'm not more than eighty four though. <laughs> Runtime of one hour and thirty one minutes. Budget of a one point one million dollars. In a box office, a whopping box office of fifty seven million dollars. Hell yeah! This was the film that got New Line Cinema out of bankruptcy because of this movie. It saved New Line Cinema. With a rating of 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. We open to Freddy Krueger inside a boiler room, creating his iconic glove with heavy, raspy breaths. He puts on the gloves, giving out a... 
Straight to the title card. (laughs) Cut to Tina inside of her dream, wearing her nightgown, running down the damp hallway into a boiler as Freddy calls out to her. She continues running, stopping to look around for where he is coming from. She's startled by a sheep bleeding and, and running out, causing him to laugh maniacally. She continues running, eventually making it inside the boiler room. She spots him, but he moves out of frame. So she continues moving through the room, jumping at every sound as Freddy passes through the front below. The steam hisses as Tina makes it to an area filled with pipes. Freddy scrapes his knives on a pipe, then rips through the cloth that stands that she's standing next to. Cue the amazing running scene by Tina into another portion of the air hallway. This shit is <laughs> fucking great. When she like <laughs> when she's running, yeah. it it is very much a, am I running too fast? Am I running too slow? Oh, is, my is God. Is this speed okay? Yeah. Like, she's very much like looking she's back. She's running in place, but running fast and looking back, but still running in place. It is while so moving slightly forward. Amazing. So amazing. And like, she's just so blasé. And finally, when she gets to that that spot where it's a dead end for her. <laughs> it's so funny because before we recorded, I was like, oh, if. Because we were talking about another movie, it's like it felt like an unlimited hallway. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I'm looking at her where she starts running from. I'm like, the end of the wall is like, it's like right there, ten feet away. Yeah, it's it's literally right there. Like you could see the light fixture all coming out and glowing on the ground. And like the way she runs is so amazing. She doesn't even try going up the ladder. No, none of that. Fuck all that. Instead, she waits. Sees them, then screams. <laughs> Do like the camera footage. I mean, the camera angles and movement, but yeah, yeah, it's very silly. This movie I didn't recognize is 80s it until, to the fucking max. I didn't realize until you pointed it out right now, too. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was, I was like, like I'm in. Yeah, dude. keep running. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like she. you could definitely tell that Wes was giving her cues like, too fast, too slow. Okay. All right. Just keep going. Pause. Okay. Pause. Turn around. Turn right. That was right. Turn around again. Scream. Tell that's exactly what was happening for her, and Ah. this was one of her first movies for sure. Like you can definitely tell that this is this is what was going on. But fantastic shit. She's at a dead end, kind of. There's two ladders. Um, (laughs) so she screams. Nothing in front of her. She begins to cautiously walk before Freddie jumps up behind her, screaming. She wakes up. Her mother coming to her room to check on her. Every, like, parent in this movie or every mom in this movie, they're, like, drunks. Like, <laughs> what yeah. the fuck is up with that? It was a very interesting thing to have at the end, especially with, like, Nancy's mom. Yeah. It's like, the, the bottle just constantly drinking. pops up. I don't know. Where I'm yeah. like, what the fuck is that What's going on? Like, it's, it's, you're, like, drinking from, like, open the closet door you're drinking. In the bedroom you're drinking. I'm on the couch. I'm drunk. And her mom. I just watched you to sleep tonight. <laughs> God damn it. Her mom in this scene looks like she is going to turn into Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Like she looks so scary. Like oh my god. But but you could you could get a sense that she's in a little bit of an abusive home. Right? Yeah. Or like, yeah, it was very, very interesting the parents dynamic is like Hey, you coming? Right, we'll yeah, talk about right, it. Right, we'll talk about it. But this is very much like what this is 1984. She's in high school, so what she's considered a latchkey generation, right? So Gen X. Um, so this is very on par 
of what Gen X people probably have, have experienced at this time, right? Right. So, like, this movie very much is what the times, and this is this is something that um, our friend of the show, Heather Wixon, pointed out in, in, in one of her tweets about Nightmare on Elm Street, is that the thing that made Nightmare on Elm Street work so well is the fact that this movie very much played on that current generation, right? right? So this is very much a generational movie. Like, right now, for us, this is funny, and you know it's silly. And it was not and, funny and back then. For them, exactly, it was not funny Quite for them. Traumatizing, uh, especially with their parents not really being around yeah. and things like that. So, like you know, this generation probably felt heard and seen while watching this movie. Right, exactly. Like this like, was this very is exactly much what I'm dealing with right now at home. <laughs> like I say something, they don't care. Yeah. So you know, or or in, or, or there's someone else in the house, right? Like you know, so it's it's very much a on with the times type of film. So like if they were to redo it now, how would they make that generationally appropriate now? Because like there's so many other things that teenagers and shit right now are currently afraid of. Right. I mean, there's so many things that they're like just yesterday, there was a shooting at uh, Beyond Beyond Wonderland and there was one in Chicago and like it's fucking nuts. So like these kids are in a constant state of fear as the rest of America is, and how are they going to recapture that? And and she made a good point. She was like, I don't think dreaming is going to be it. That's the only thing that allows them to escape, you know? So it's just like their fucking reality is scarier than their nightmares at this point. And I was like, God, that's a really good point. So her conclusion was just like, I don't know how how it's going to work if it were to be remade today because this is such a generational movie. So... Mm. Yeah, I was like, damn, fucking mic drop. <laughs> anyway, Tina lets her know that it's just a dream. Her mother points out the slashes on her gown, figuring that it must have been some some dream to cause that. Tina checks her gown while her stepdad comes into the room, flirtatiously asking her if her mother is going to come back to bed. She tells him to hold on, telling her daughter that she needs to either uh, to cut her fingernails or stop that type of dreaming. Okay. She leaves out of the room. (laughs) Tina grabs the crucifix off her wall. Cut to another dreamlike sequence of children playing jump rope while singing the made-up nursery rhyme. One, two, Freddy's coming for you. Three, four, better lock your door. Five, six, grab your crucifix. She must have been on five, six. Seven, (laughs) eight, gonna stay up late. Nine, ten, never sleep. Or else Freddy will catch you. This shit is fucking great. Like, yeah, fantastic. God damn it. Uh, I don't know how true this is, but apparently Heather Langenkamp's boyfriend at the time was the one who made up the nursery rhyme. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I don't know how true that is, but... It creates a new factor of scariness to it. Exactly. Sure. Yeah, so... And this is what gives it so like that urban great. legend type of feel to it, too. Yeah. It's like, hey, have you heard about Freddy Krueger? Right. It's like, there's like, there's a nursery rhyme and everything. It's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Campfire stories. So great. So fucking great. But I want to talk about that transition really quick. The oh, transition to the dream the- and to the reality was so fucking goddamn clean. <laughs> Holy shit, it was clean. It's just like a panning shot of the kids doing jump rope to them driving in their car. And, and the it comes mist in, slowly goes dissipates. away. Yeah. And then it shows that they're there. So cool. What the fuck is up with this guy? And that's what I'm saying. Like, cycle though. <laughs> this guy. He's like, oh, you guys filming like, something? I'm out of here. And like, he's like, goes in, about to go straight, and then turns right. It looks like he got direction from someone off screen. <laughs> he's like, oh, I'm not supposed to go this way? <laughs> what? 
go the other way? Yeah. Okay, we'll do. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. So yeah, it, this this movie is very silly, but. Anyway, the camera pans out of the dream state to Tina pulling up with her friends Nancy and Glenn. I love that we have Tina also kind of being our main character right now. Like, it right. makes it seem like we're going to be following Tina for the entire film. We were wrong. <laughs> she explains her experience to them as they walk into school. Nancy suggesting that it sounds um, terribly. It sounds terribly. Excuse me, it sounds terrible. Repeating one, two, Freddy's coming for you. It reminds Tina of that quote. Old jump rope song, end quote. Nancy shares that she had a bad dream when she woke up this morning, too. Tina's boyfriend, Rod, comes up behind them, stating that he had a heart on last night with her name all over it. <laughs> okay. She throws his hands off, throwing back some shade that there's four letters in, in her name, and how could that be? <laughs> how could there be enough room for that many letters? Like, damn, Uber. Ooh, <laughs> they all laugh except for him calling back to her uh, to say, up yours with a twirling lawnmower. <laughs> they walk in different directions, Tina wanting to know what Nancy dreamt about. Nancy tells her to forget uh, to forget about it. Um, and the point being that everyone has a bad dream once in a while. Glenn chimes in the next time she has has one to tell herself that it's only a dream and she'll wake she'll wake right up. It always works for him. The bell rings and he kisses Nancy before running off inside. Tina yells out if if he had a nightmare too, but he continues running. She looks back at Nancy considering that they might have an earthquake because the things get really weird beforehand. Nancy smiles, putting her arm around her and walking into school. I mean, shout out to, to early Johnny Depp, right? I mean, shout out to him. <laughs> I think this was his first film ever, right? I think yeah. he killed it, or the opposite of that. This was interesting, though. I mean, when New Nightmare came out, pretty much all of them came back except for Johnny Depp, right? right. And it was mainly because Wes Craven was just afraid to ask him because he was such a large actor at that time. So he was just like, oh man. It's interesting. Isn't New Nightmare where they have like an earthquake when something weird happens? Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like a weird callback from that, too. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think of that. But yeah, they do. It's like, oh, we're going to have an earthquake soon because it it always happens when something weird happens. Right. Yeah. It's like, oh, is that a future nod? (laughs) It's like, there's no future nods. It's just like (laughs) uh, foreshadowing. (laughs) Who knows? Yeah. (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) <laughs> Later that evening, Tina is at her house with Nancy and Glenn, thanking them for being there with her because her mother is gone for two days. She can't believe that Nancy's mom is allowing her to spend the night there. Nancy chuckles that she isn't allowing her exactly. Glenn tells them while on the phone that he has his cousin um, that lives near an airport. And he got sound effects on uh, he got sound effects on his tape from Rod. He stops talking um, because his mom picks up the phone. He stops the cassette in the boombox, swapping out the tape with the one that he got from Rod. Where the fuck was he <laughs> with all these noises? Oh, I'm sure he just played a trick on him for sure. He's like, I'll give you some airplane noises or airport noises, and then like added all this stuff to get him in trouble. It's like, so let great. Me get him. Uh, but this was a really funny scene. This was this great. was hilarious. Yeah. This was great. He starts playing the sound of the planes flying overhead, claiming that it's noisy as usual while the girls are laughing in the background. He tries rushing her off the phone, telling her that he'll he'll call her later um, as, as the sounds begin to change, explaining that there's just some kids drag racing outside. The teens continue giggling as Glenn tries to get off the phone, claiming that he... he 
that there's been an accident outside. A woman on the cassette starts to scream. Nancy tries to rewind the tape, but the sound gradually gets more outrageous. He tells his mom that he'll call the police as he rips the tape out of the stereo, finally stopping the noise, blaming it on the neighbors fighting before hanging up the phone. Nancy and Tina joke that, that it worked like a charm as he feels defeated. Nancy <laughs> knew that this would uh, make Tina feel better. Tina shares that all day long, she's been seeing, quote, that weird guy's face and hearing his fingernails, end quote. Nancy is confused as what she, what, uh, as, excuse me, Nancy is confused as that makes her remember the dream that she had last night. Tina wants to know what she dreamt, dreamed about. She dreamed about a guy in a dirty red and green sweater. Tina wants to know about his fingernails. Nancy nonchalantly explains that he scraped his nails, um, cor- correcting, uh, that they were more like finger knives knowing that he made them himself, and they made a horrible sound. She mimics the sound as Tina reveals that she dreamed about the same creep. Glenn comes over with a bowl of popcorn, finding that to be impossible. They hear a screeching noise coming from outside. He looks back. Tina wonders what he hears. He claims that it is nothing but... She knows that there's something out there. The screeching noise continues. Nancy didn't hear it, but Tina is sure that it is something. They all go over to the door, holding on to Glenn as they check together. Oh, Glenn, good old strong Glenn. Uh, They let go of him as he moves further into the yard, hearing the screeching. He tries to sound intimidating, threatening to punch uh, uh, their ugly lights. Mm. I'll punch out your ugly lights, whoever you are. (laughs) He keeps moving through the yard, calling whatever the sound is coming from. He then gets tackled by Rod onto the ground, picking him up as he mocks a football sports announcer. Tina wonders what he's doing there. He claims that he came to make up, wondering if her mom is home. She wants to know what the gardening tool is for. He claims it's... it. In, Excuse me. He he calls it intense as he mimics the sound of it scraping before throwing it behind his back, asking the group what's going on, thinking that it's an orgy or something. You guys having an orgy or something? <laughs> Glenn answers that maybe a funeral, calling him a dickhead. Mm. Rod doesn't like that. Pulling out a switchblade, Nancy grabbing the knife and explaining that it's just a sleepover for Tina and her. Glenn getting ready to leave. Rod chuckles if he saw if she saw his face. Glenn mocking him. He knows that he knows that her mother isn't home, wanting to take her upstairs. Nancy calls out to him. He winks that they will take Tina's mother's bed and they can have the rest of the house. Nancy wants to leave, but Tina wants her to stay. Rod covers her mouth and seductively brings her upstairs. Glenn is trying to join in, kissing on Nancy, but she doesn't want to do this right now, reminding him that they are there for their friend. Your friend is occupied. He's <laughs> irritated, wondering why she's so bothered about a, a nightmare. She shouts because he was scary before they knock, before they head back inside, locking the door. Nancy locks, looks out of the window a little longer before he takes her by the hand. Mm. A lot's going on here. Yeah. But... This is where we're finally coming to our closing, right? Our closing of of Tina's story, I guess. <laughs> Good way to put it, yeah. Tina's story. But I want to point out, you know, like, Rod obviously being suspect numero uno. Yes. Right? So, and he plays the part very well. He sets he himself up to be the villain right away. He's, he's the creepy guy outside. He has the sharp uh, garden tool that exactly. screeches. Uh, he has a pocket knife, threatened. Um and he's kind of like toxic masculinity of like, oh, let me get my girl here. I know your mom's not here. We're going to fool around. It's like, you have no choice in this kind of. But she's like down for it. Thank God. The girls, that would be a weird movie too. Hope so. 
Um, that would have been but it last sets up like all over again. You set up yourself as the villain, and it's perfect for the story itself because we need to fill in that like, oh, it obviously was him. It gives an excuse why people don't believe them right away. Yeah, especially believes him right away. It's like it wasn't me. I swear, like I saw this shit go down. Like, and I love how he describes it later on. And we'll talk about the scene, but he's like, it was like they were cutting her all at the same time. The four knives, right? And I was like, oh, that's a good way to put it because we don't know because no one sees the glove until later on. Yeah. Um, I mean, we see it in but, the beginning, but... Yeah, but like but the yeah, characters yeah. wise. Right, right, right. right. Um, so for them to explain it that way, not knowing what the tool was and really talking about like the invisibility of Freddy Krueger for the people who are awake, it gives a more a scary um, imagination for them of like what they think is going on. And that's a good thing about like this movie too is like you're really in the shoes of these teenagers and really seeing them from the eyes of like their perspective of they have no idea what's going on as well. And they're kind of going through this like detective noir type of investigation. It's like, I'm going to get to the bottom of this type of crime solving. Right. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. You know, it, it, he, he fits the profile. Yeah. Right. More 100%. than anybody. Later that night, Tina and Rod's horrendous moans travel through the walls. Oh, right. Tina. Tina. Ooh, ah, ooh. <laughs> this, was, this was so weird. Oh yeah. my god, they should have just left it out. Glenn sighs <laughs> from hearing them both loudly climax, turning over, thinking that morality sucks. Dude wanted some of that so bad. Rod gets off of gets off of her. She comments that she knew there was something about her, that, uh, or she comments that there was something about him that she liked. Okay. He smiles, asking if she feels better. She replies that Jungle Man fixed Jane. <laughs> he wants to know if this is the end of their fights. She admits that it is. He finds that to be good. There being no more nightmares for either one of them. She's taken back by a statement, wanting to know when uh, when he had a nightmare. He's slightly offended, explaining that guys have nightmares too. And she's like, okay, that's not what I asked. The fuck? Just win. Like, <laughs> While Nancy is asleep, the crucifix, the crucifix on the wall falls down on top of her. She wakes up, picking it up and placing it next to her before going back to sleep. Meanwhile, Tina wakes up from hearing a pebble hit the window. She doesn't make much of it until she hears it happen again. She tries waking up Rod, but he's sound asleep. Another hit at the window, he, uh, her name is whispered. She decides to put her shirt... Um, she, 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 excuse me, she decides to put her shirt back on to check out the window, startled from another pebble smack against the glass and another getting struck from getting stuck from uh, in the crack. He, her name is whispered again. She asks who, uh, who does he, excuse me, she asks who does he think he is, wondering whoever he is. Who do you think you are? Whoever, whoever you, you are. are. <laughs> <laughs> Back to with Nancy asleep, the ceiling is pushed through by Freddy. He watches over her as he moves closer before sinking back into the ceiling. She wakes up, putting the crucifix, crucifix back on the wall, knocking on the wall to make sure it won't fall. Tina is downstairs, turning on, on the back, back porch light. She opens the door, asking if anyone is there. Her name is called out again. She goes out to, to for she goes out for a closer look um, down at the end of the yard. Freddy calls out to her again before she wants to get closer a closer look to figure out who this is. She walks into the alleyway without shoes, startled by a trash lid rolling out behind her. 
Freddy appears behind her, walking into the alley, his arms stretching out and scraping the metallic surface. She pleads to God. He holds his knife glove, letting her know that this is God. (laughs) So good. She (laughs) makes a run for it, screaming as he chases after her. (laughs) <laughs> and I love how he runs too. It's kind of like a little it's uh, wild. Inflatable man. Yeah, he's like <laughs> he's moving side to side and he has his hands stretched out still. <laughs> like it it's so it's cartoony. Uh, but the editing, so good. Yeah. And this is and like Robert England's cool delivery, right? Yeah. Robert England's delivery is fucking fantastic. And it, and it's interesting because Robert England obviously he was a Shakespearean trained actor. Yeah. And it it what makes it so interesting is that he just kind of got stuck as Freddy, which is unfortunate because he wasn't, he had a hard time getting other roles. Right. So he did kind of just get stuck as Freddy. He was like, we can't hire you. You're Freddy Krueger. You know, like, we can't hire yeah, you. Do like, Freddy Krueger movies. Yeah, Come on, man. Exactly. Don't worry about it. You'll be fine. <laughs> um, so it kind of sucks that, that that a little bit tarnished this movie, kind of tarnished. How many Elm Streets uh, are there? Seven? Eight. Wow. Eight, including the reboot, I think. He's in the majority of them? Mm hmm. Oh, nine. Freddy versus Jason. He's Rob- Was he in that one That's too? That's Robert England, yeah. It was uh, the guy from Watchmen for one movie, right? The reboot? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The guy who plays Warshak. Warshak, yeah. yeah. I, don't know, I don't know his name. Great actor, though. Yeah. yeah. He's a good actor, too. But yeah, Robert England is the iconic Freddy. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, his look and feel in this movie looks great. It yeah. holds up. And that's the thing I love about practical makeup and practical effects is that... It doesn't. It lasts. Yeah, yeah. It just it lasts. So like that, that. That's that's great. That's the main. That's the main thing that makes these so like fun and you know it's as good back then as it is now. Right. Exactly. It's a time capsule. Right. And it, it's great. It's mm-hmm. great. I'm I'm interested to see what happens next with this series because something's going to happen. Right. It's like how could you not? Something's going to happen with this series again, especially with like the, the rise of Halloween, Scream, right. Candyman again, um, Hellraiser, even all of like, uh, yeah, all Prey, Prey, oh, yeah. yeah, like oh. you know, with Predator. So, like, all of them Aliens. are back, <laughs> it's coming back, yeah. right? With uh, Fidel the Lake, literally everything is coming back, literally everything is coming back. So, Freddy is bound to make a return. I just think they're trying to figure out how do we do this. How do we do this? Because Robert England is so iconic. He's the only one who talked besides Chucky. I got it. Christopher Nolan, Inception 2, Freddy's Nightmare. (laughs) 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 It's an art house film. (laughs) He's a dream and a dream and a dream. He's all the layers. (laughs) She makes a run for it, screaming as he chases after her, appearing in front of her. She runs back toward her house. He comes from behind a small tree, calling out to her to watch him mutilate himself by cutting off his own fingers. She tries running back inside the house, calling for Nancy. She just stood there and watched, too. Yeah, she's like, oh, that's cool. She's like, <laughs> like runs after. I thought you were gonna do a magic trick. That's not what I wanted to see. Ah! Stop calling me. She tries running back into her house, calling for Nancy to open the door. He pins her down on the porch. She grabs for his face, pulling it out to reveal a bloodied skull. Great. Uh, 
So good. So good. The Back I'm in reality, Rod wakes up from Tina screaming, please for help. He moves out of the bed as Tina is being attacked by Freddy. Rod pulls the covers off, but doesn't see anyone on top of her as she fl- uh, flails around. Her shirt is ripped off. Her chest is slashed open. He screams for her as she is lifted up. He turns the light on just to be smacked with his, with her body, causing him to break the lamp and fall over. Tina is thrown to the wall, then dragged on the ceiling. Rod just screams and reaches for her as he's sitting on the ground. Tina! Tina! And he's just reaching out to her. This is great. <laughs> and this looks great, though. Oh, this looks fucking fantastic. I, I was when I saw this because I because it, it's been a while since we've seen it. Yeah, I was it's like, a few years. How? How do they do this? And I was so confused. But I was like, I can maybe take a look at it. But I was like, all right, probably green screen, which probably had just him, and they probably just filmed her, and they made the room upside down. Everything looks like it's pinned down. Uh, yeah, but or, like my brain was going like off. I was like, all right, how do they film this? How do they do yeah. it? How let me deconstruct this scene. There's obviously quick. documentaries that um, explain how this happens. Right. And, yeah. And uh, I I definitely have to like seek them out and stuff like that too, mm-hmm. because this does look really good. Uh and you incredible. can tell with the the fixed camera angle where it's like how he's only positioned in the far right corner as well. So I was like, all right, I know how they probably like had to shoot it this way to make this happen mm-hmm. and make it work. And it works very, very, very well. Right. Which is why he couldn't um, stand up and just try to grab her and things right. like that. Because in, in reality, you probably didn't see her. Right. Right. Like it's, it's probably nothing. We don't see his facial reactions because he's right. probably not reacting we just see to him anything. Out. Um, but. Yeah. Ah, so good. It's good. It's good. Nancy wakes up, but it's too late. Tina falls dead from the ceiling, blood splattering on Rod's face. Nancy tries getting inside the room as Rod is yelling, Who did this? and he'll kill him. Who did this? I'll kill you. There's a lot of fucking blood. A lot more blood than there was when she was going up there. Glenn <laughs> runs up uh, to the door, scaring Nancy and causing her to scream. I think she legitimately got scared. <laughs> that, that looked real. <laughs> Like that was so fucking genuine. <laughs> She's like, yo, what the fuck? I think she genuinely. Like, are got you scared. part of the scene? <laughs> I think I think she genuinely got scared. Yeah. They break through the door, seeing the walls and her friend covered in blood. The oh. window open with no rod in sight. <laughs> I don't know why he dipped. Like, I mean, like I get it. Like he was probably scared, but like, dude. And when he left, he didn't even like go home. <laughs> he <just laughs> Where he was just his? really wearing know. his. He was wearing no shoes when she finds him later. He was just in the side of he when he left. So I don't, yeah, <laughs> I think he just grabbed his pants and his jacket and just left. Yeah. yeah. Cut to Sergeant Parker and Nancy's dad, um, Lieutenant Donald Thompson, or Don Thompson, as we like to call him. Parker uh, briefs Donald on on the incident. They walk inside the the station. Um, Donald asking where his daughter is. She's in. She's in his office. Parker continues trying to explain that Rod is a suspect. Donald finds that to, uh, finds finds all of that to be terrific. Wanted to know why his daughter is uh, was there to begin with. He opens his office to his daughter and his ex wife Marge. He turns to um, turns the question to Marge, wanting to know why Nancy was there to begin with. She blankly says hello to you too, Donald. <laughs> <laughs> he responds by calling her name Marge. Switching over to Nancy to check in and see how she's doing. She softly claims that she's okay. He understands that she needs time, but he still wants to know what she was doing there with three other kids in the middle of the night, especially with Rod there, calling him a lunatic. She cries that he's not a lunatic. He's not a lunatic, 
daddy? <laughs> he wants to know. He wants to know if she has a sane explanation for what he did. Marge buds in, explaining that apparently he was jealous and they had a fight. Nancy rebuts that it wasn't that serious. Her mom thinks that she may not take death seriously. Nancy cries, not understanding how she could say something that say something like that. Exp, um, explaining that she takes Tina's death very serious. She explains um, what she meant. Uh, Rod and Tina's fight weren't that serious. Co continuing that Tina dreamed that this was going to happen and that she had a nightmare that someone was trying to kill her. She cries on that being the reason why they were there, there to begin with because she didn't want to sleep alone. Next morning, Marge is in the kitchen watching the news as she pours herself a str the strong stuff uh, to get the day started. <laughs> Damn. Like, mom is a straight up alcoholic. The bottles in plain sight and everything like that as well. Um, the mom is such a weird character in this movie. She's interesting. I didn't like her at all. <laughs> really? She gaslights her daughter nonstop oh, yeah. oh, so yeah. much. It's like, you'll be fine. Just fall asleep. You need to sleep. It's like, what do you want your daughter to when die? When she it's knows like, this Why do you care? Guy. Yeah, like, it's like, yo, you know that hat didn't appear out of nowhere when we talk about that scene later. I'm like, oh, there's yeah. some of these scenes where I'm just like, Why? Why are you the way you are? It's the bottle talking. It's the bottle. I don't know. She was just an interesting character. Um, he was like, it's like it wasn't that serious. You know, I was not talking about the death. I was talking about their fighting. Of yeah, course. exactly. Like, come yeah. on. I know you don't take death seriously. What the fuck? Where what did you just come from? That? <laughs> like holy shit! I literally saw my friend dead. <laughs> Nancy slowly walks into the kitchen. Her mother turning it turning it off as the reporter is explaining the weapon that was used. Nancy grabs her backpack to leave for school. Her mother not wanting her to go. Nancy feels that she that feels the need to go to school, knowing that she would just go crazy sitting in, inside of her room. Marge caresses her hair, questioning if she has slept. Nancy excuses that she will sleep in study hall. Wanting oh. to keep busy instead as she takes a sip of coffee, Marge takes it out of her hand before it reaches her mouth, wanting wanting her to come home right after school. Nancy agrees and heads out, out the back door. She is walking on the sidewalk and notices a man staring at her from across the street. What? <laughs> um, this was weird. <laughs> she begins walking faster, turning around um, the, to the man no, being, excuse me, turning around to the man no longer there. Rod grabs her by the mouth and brings her, to, uh, brings her past the bushes. He brings her down to the ground, trying to assure that he's not going to hurt her. Okay. Who do you think this man was? That guy? Yeah. Fuck that. I don't know. It's he, such a weird thing to have in this movie that never gets explained so ever. Strange. He's like in a full on suit, wearing sunglasses. Man in black. So there's a lot of weird transitions in this movie where I feel like some of the stuff that we're watching is dreams. Because um, I'm just going to go back a little bit before she meets with her mom. And she's like right after like the police station scenes like that, too. Mm -hmm. uh, she's crying. The way it fades out and fades back into their house, it feels too glossy, too dreamlike that we see kind of like towards the very end as well. And that it's like, I don't know if they want us to think part of the movie is a dream sequence or not. Mm -hmm. And then the ending that we'll talk about later kind of like maybe supports that. It's like, what parts were real, what parts were not. And obviously, the ending is very probably flipped on its head for the sequel, I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen the sequel, so I don't know. You've never seen Freddy, 
32? No. Oh, shit. I'm pretty sure I haven't seen any of the franchise itself except for this movie, New Nightmare. Really? And Freddy vs. Jason, which doesn't really count because that's no, like a little really standalone. But you, so you no. haven't seen Dream Warriors? Two, three, four, five, oh, six, fuck, seven. Oh, fuck, dude, watch yeah. the whole series, bro. Yeah, yeah. I need to. It's not. I have an, to. It's not an incredible series to me personally. I think it's it's just an okay franchise. Yeah. Um, but it's consistent for the most part. Um, but like this was right here. This was like Freddie's supposed to be super serious. Like he didn't have too many talking lines or anything like that. Um, you know. So like I thought that was really interesting. But uh, with that being said, you know, Freddy Krueger. He's a great villain, right? Yes. He He's just a great villain in general. You should watch Freddy too. It's not Nancy anymore. She's not in it. Um, right. it, it it's someone who moves into her house. It's a, it's a guy. Oh. It's, it's a guy, and they they say it's the the gayest Freddy the Nightmare on Elm Street has ever gotten. Um, which the lead actor is gay. Um, and they do do some very very you know queer aspects and things like that, and which phenomenally well done but yeah dude you should totally re- watch that uh, yeah I, I, I think that one's called freddy's revenge maybe but i not here dream warriors the best one a lot of people claim that yeah sure yeah a lot of people claim that um i don't agree <laughs> uh <laughs> um I mean, dream war is great though dream war is fantastic just because it was pretty much it was x-men oh yeah it was x-men so that, that's what makes dream war like fucking dope because it's, it's pretty much x-men so yeah and you also get a, a very young um gosh what's her name she was in severance she was the boss in severance um severance. yeah she was the boss in severance oh i didn't see severance oh you haven't seen severance no. oh fuck dude watch severance too <laughs> <laughs> i apparently haven't watched it yeah watch severance too <laughs> holy shit man god that was a great one. Um, he lets her go knowing that they will they will kill him for sure. She tells him that nobody is going to kill him, wanting to know if he did it. He shakes his head that he never touched her. Nancy does come back in Dream Warriors, though. Mm. She's older. She still has her, her streak in her hair, too. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, he shakes his head that he never touched her. She remembers him screaming. He exclaims that there was someone else there. She rebuts that the door was locked from from his side. He yells for her to not look at him like that, warning her. Donald comes from around the bushes with his gun drawn, calmly demanding him to move away from his daughter. Rod makes a run for it. Donald is about to chase chase after him, but Nancy stands in his way, yelling no. What if he just shot right there? <laughs> like <laughs> That would have been it. Like, holy fuck. Um, Rod is, is running down the street barefoot, forced to, to run the other direction by a cop car blocking him. More surround him. Officers pointing their, their gun at him. The VO in this movie is something else. Stop right there. <laughs> they bring him down on the ground donald being uh being called over for him to for him having a switchblade on him rod yells that he didn't kill her to nancy um watching him get get arrested she calls out to her dad for using her he yells the question about not understanding why she was going to school anyway she walks off down to head to school leaving her dad to call out to her Cut to Nancy in, in class as a young Lynn Shay is teaching the class about what is seen is not always what is real. She walks mm. around the class teaching her lesson as Nancy is nodding off in the back of the class. Her teacher touches her shoulder as a form of comfort and understanding as she walks toward the front of the class. It was totally like, that was totally like a, 
it didn't feel like it was like, hey, wake up. It was just like, I understand what you're going through right now. Right. Do what you need to do. Um, she calls for a student, John, to read an, an excerpt in front of the class. He starts reading, causing Nancy to fall asleep in the back. <laughs> she dozes off, hearing Tina call out um, to her in the hallway. And we get the best fucking scene in this whole movie, in my opinion. This a scene? lot of people love the bedroom scene, which, granted, it's fan-fucking-tastic. But this scene, oh, my God. She dozes off, hearing Tina call out to her from the hallway. Like, this shit's actually scary. It's she looks. She looks out in the hall, seeing Tina covered in blood inside of a body bag. John is staring at her from the front of the class, saying, quote, Oh, God. It could be bounded in a nutshell and count myself a king of infinite space were it not that I have bad dreams. End quote. Nancy so sees the puddle of blood on the floor. She gets up to follow the trail. She sees Tina's body on the ground calling out to her. Her feet are, her feet are pulled by an unseen force dragging her down the other end of the hallway. Oh, it's so nonchalantly too. It's like picked up, dragged. It's so creepy, creepy good, and great well executed. And wow, just yeah, wow. A lot of stuff is mind blowing in this movie. Where I'm like, yeah, you, you're goofy and cheesy at moments, but then when like you deliver, you deliver. You're like, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's great. Even this, ugh, all of this, yeah. this whole scene is great. Yeah, yeah. I think this is probably the strongest scene in the movie for yeah. sure. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Running into the hall, or Nancy jogs over to the end of the corner of the hall, calling for Tina, running into the hall guard in a red and green striped sweater, demanding for her hall pass. Screw your hall pass. <laughs> she calls back by, she's called back by Freddie's voice. She stops and looks back at the guard. Her face now slightly covered in blood with the knife, with the knife glove saying in Freddie's voice, no running in the hallway. <laughs> so he laughs as she continues following the trail of blood. The blood leads downstairs into the boiler room. Nancy goes past the curtains, calling out to her friend. Freddy watches from behind a set of pipes, breathing heavily. He steps from behind a corner. She asks who he is. He doesn't answer. Instead, he cuts open his chest, revealing green ooze and maggots in his, in his chest. He starts to laugh as he moves toward her with his glove at the ready... She turns to run back behind the curtain, but there's a solid wall there now. She runs deeper into the boiler room, getting caught off, getting caught on a dead end. He approaches her, taunting her at the same time. <laughs> Man. She yells that it is only a dream as he tells her to come to Freddy while rapidly flicking his tongue. She decides to burn her arm on the pipe. She screams awake in class, getting up from the chair and continuing to scream frantically, scaring the rest of the class. Her teacher calms her down, willing to call her mother and letting her know that everything is all right now. She wants Nancy to sit back down to rest, but she claims that she's fine and will go straight home. She grabs the rest of her things and leaves out of the classroom. Her teacher trying to call her back for a hall pass, but <laughs> she just continues walking out of the school. Nancy uh, makes it outside the school and begins to frustratedly sob in front of the school. She checks her arms, seeing the burn mark that's left, cut to her at, at the jail meeting with Rod, wanting to know what happened that night. He repeats that it was dark, but he was sure that somebody was in there underneath the covers with Tina. She doesn't understand how that's possible without him no not knowing anything about it. He doesn't know. Not expecting her to believe him anyway, he moves towards the toilet in his cell. 
She moves to the bars wanting to know if he, uh, what he looked like and if he had got a good look at him. He didn't. She frustratedly wonders, um, she, excuse me, she frustratedly wonders how he knows that somebody else was there. He goes back to the bars reasoning that somebody cut her while he watched. Nancy doesn't understand how he could, how he didn't get a good look at him. He explains that he couldn't see him, but you could see the cuts happening all at once. I like how he doesn't say that, like, because he wasn't fucking there. Right. Like, she was in the air by herself getting chopped up. Yeah. Chopped cheese. New York style. I love the way these kids talk and how the script is written. Uh, It gives a lot of exposition of, like, what happened with a little bit more of imaginative touch for us as a viewer that can imagine being in those shoes. Like I couldn't even see him. All I could see is all the cuts at once. She's like, what do you mean all at once? And then he goes into a little bit more detail because that's, he can't really explain it himself. Right. It's like, yeah, he doesn't I believe don't what know. He I, saw. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. I couldn't even see him. All I could see is all the cuts at once. It's like, for him, that makes sense. Yeah. But for her, it's like, that makes no sense. What do you mean you saw all the cuts at once? Like, it was like four blades. Yeah. And I was like, oh, damn. It's like, it's, it, it's very authentic writing of how these characters would act in this situation. It's like, um, and especially for him and his perspective, he's explaining things that he saw, which other people wouldn't understand. So he has to explain even more details to like, I like, let me try to explain it to you it felt like there was four blades cutting at once. Like That's the me, best way yeah. you can explain it, right? Yeah, it's like, it, it just works. Absolutely. Like, uh, there were like four, I mean, it was as if there were four razors. It's like, damn. So fucking good, man. She doesn't understand. He shares that it, um, it was like there were four razors cutting her at the same time. Mm. He begins to cry, thinking that he could have done more to try and save. I mean, yeah, and save her, <laughs> but he thought it was just another nightmare, revealing um, that he had the same nightmare about Freddie the night prior. Nancy slowly moves back away from him. He asks if she thinks that he did it. She turns back. She turns back to face him to tell him no before banging on the door to be let out. Wait, are you just leave me here? <laughs> Later that night, Nancy is taking a bath, singing the nursery rhyme until she falls asleep. This is also very another iconic scene, right? right. But this very much shows the um, the sexual aspects of this film too, right? Sure, yeah, you yeah. know, like uh, the, intrusive of innocence, exactly. With Freddy Krueger as well, yeah, in between her legs and things like right. that, right? Immediately, Freddy's hand comes out from in between her leg slowly moving toward her. She wakes up from her mom knocking on the door, the hand submerging back into the tub. Mm. She irritatedly calls out to her mom. Marge instructs her not to fall asleep in there because she could drown, letting her know that she heated up some milk for her. Nancy rolls her eyes, whispering, gross. (laughs) Good call. Warm milk. Nasty. Yeah. I mean, I knew someone in college who used to do that. Like anytime they would have like a bad night, they would like warm up some milk for themselves. I'm like, what? That's some like villain energy. <laughs> I'm like, how old are you? <laughs> like, <laughs> she falls back asleep in the tub. She's pulled into the tub. Freddie laughs maniacally uh, as she fights to get back to the surface, calling for her mom. Marge works frantically to get the door open with a wire hanger. Coming into the room, Nancy claims that she was o- she she was okay and she was just getting out of the tub. What? 
I don't know why she doesn't explain more. It's like, hey, you literally almost drowned, and you're like, it's okay, it's mom. It's okay. I'm okay. I'm fine. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm okay. <laughs> don't worry about it. Yeah, I just I slipped trying to get out of the tub. What? Yeah. What do you mean? Like this is why people don't believe you. Yeah. Come on, man. Man, this was just. I don't know. I feel like this could have been the perfect opportunity to be like. For whatever reason, I feel like the mom knows exactly what's happening the entire time, and she's letting it happen for some reason. It's like, if Freddie takes my daughter, maybe she won't. he won't come after me type of thing. I feel like That's she, she keeps I feel pushing like him, she, like, her, like, you need to sleep. You should sleep. Go to sleep. I'll take like you to she, a sleep place. I feel like she knows what's going on, however, because I do agree. I do think her mom, like, has these suspicions um, that something something otherworldly is happening to her daughter. Right. However, I do think that she doesn't understand how it's possible. Right? right. Especially when she gets the hat and she says that it's Fred Krueger and all this whole other stuff. Like, I think for her, she's like, how was that possible? Right. You've never seen this person before. How was that possible? But yeah, Marge calms down as she um, helps her with her robe, willing to turn down her warming blanket. She Nancy agrees, letting her know that she'll put get her pajamas on. She locks the door, checking the medicine cabinet and grabbing some caffeine pills inside her room. She's trying to stay awake while lying down in bed, watching the evil dead. She dozes. She keeps dozing off, eventually turning it off and getting up um, and getting up to open her window. She doesn't notice Glenn, who greets and startles her. He apologizes, sharing that he saw he saw her light her light on and wanted to see how she was doing. He goes inside her room, bumping his head. She commands him to be quiet and that her mom isn't asleep yet. Inside her room, she checks she checks out her door before closing it, wanting him to get get out of the, uh, her bed. He moves the TV off the chair and sits across from her, wanting to know what happened. What happened in English class earlier? Knowing that she hasn't slept yet, she confirms. He knows about her arm. Uh, she responds that she burned it in English class. She looks at herself in the mirror, concerned with her appearance, believing that she looks older from the lack of sleep. <laughs> I look twenty years old. That's not old. How dare you? Yeah. It. It. She Stop doesn't even look that old. She just. She just looks tired. Yeah. Um, he didn't, or excuse me, wanted to know if he had any weird dreams last night. He didn't. Commenting that he slept like a rock. She questions if he believes that people can dream about what's going going to happen. He leans back in his chair, answering no. She wonders if he believes in the in the boogeyman. He answers no again. He feels that Rod killed Tina. She asks. She she asks for a favor, explaining explaining that she's going to look for somebody and she wants him to stand guard. He imitates eerie noises, but she wants him to be serious about this. He agrees to do it. She comments that it, that this is important and that he can't screw it up. He claims that he won't. She instructs him to turn off the light to explain what they are going to do. Nancy is in, the, in her dream world, leaving out of her house with her PJs on. She looks around the dark neighborhood for Freddy, eventually coming to an alleyway, calling out to Glenn to make sure that he's still watching. She should have put two and two together like, wait, if you're here, hold the fuck up. <laughs> right? <laughs> he, he, calms, uh, he comes out from behind a chair, letting her know that he is, or behind a tree, not a chair, um, letting her know that he's still there. <laughs> I'm still here. It's like, oh. that's the, why are you here? <laughs> she, um, she continues into the alley, making it <laughs> into a broken window on the door. Through it is the fifth precinct, 
precinct. She opens the door and jogs across the street, looking into the window with the bars on, on it while Rod sleeps. Freddy comes into the holding cell. She calls for Glenn, but he doesn't answer. Freddy moves through the bars. She begins banging and screaming for Rod to watch out. Freddy looks up and smiles at, um, at her as he takes off the blanket. Nancy continues screaming for Glenn as Rod wakes up. Tina ghoulishly calls for Nancy in the corner in the corner excuse me in the corner she tells she's still wrapped in the body bag as blood drips from her head and a centipede spills from her mouth okay. beneath her feet is a puddle of slithery bugs Nancy moves away from her screaming for Glenn to wake her up asking if he's there Freddie comes up from behind her she immediately makes a run for it pushing over a trash can to make her escape back to her house she makes it to her she makes it back to her house follow, followed by locking the door um, great touch of the music just like cutting right, right here too like super great she tries running up the stairs but the floor uh, turns into marshmallows I, I don't love even it. know what to really call it yeah, it's like yeah, fluff uh, I like this scene too there's so Me many too. like good scenes where I'm like oh you guys got creative here oh you got creative here that's really cool uh, the stairs turn into that like marshmallow goo like like it's good. Uh, quicksand type of thing. Like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's like a constant reminder to let us know that we're in a dream. Yes. Yeah. So I, and I love that. she's in control. Yeah. We're in his world. Too. Right. Yeah. We're in his world. Showing her footsteps, Tina, uh, Tina's voice calls out to her, pleading for her to help and save her from, quote, or this is when Freddy rips off his face, finishing the line, Freddy. <laughs> I love it. Nancy makes it into the room, calling for Glenn. She sees that he's asleep in the chair. She turns around, trying to convince herself that this is just a dream and it isn't real. Freddy bursts through the door. They wrestle as she screams for Glenn. Able, able to get him off of her for a moment, she jumps on the bed, using the pillow as a shield. He cuts through it throwing it off of her as feathers fill the room. They begin wrestling again as she screams for Glenn. Her alarm clock sounds off, waking up both her and Glenn sitting in the chair. She leans over to him, calling him a bastard. He doesn't understand what he did wrong. She snarls, mm -hmm. reminding him that the what the instructions were, hitting his knee because he fell asleep. Marge calls, calls for her, Nancy rushes Glenn out of the window, instructing him to sh um, to shut up and stay there, not wanting him to go away just yet. She heads back to in bed. Marge opens the door, turns her light on to check on her. Nancy blames it on a bad dream and that she's going to going right back to sleep. Her mother accepts that, wanting her to uh, wanting her to call her if anything else comes up. Marge leaves. Nancy calls for Glenn, noticing a pillow feather falling as the window was open. Huh. Hmm. Interesting. That came out of my dream. <laughs> that, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I got out of it, at least, is why she looked at it that way. Right. Because was her pillow is completely fine, but the pillow in the dream is the one right. that broke up. And because she was touching probably that feather, it also followed her through. And that's, uh, yeah, first evidence of it. Right. And, and we figure out, though, one of the biggest things, Glenn's the asshole and doesn't listen to his girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Glenn's a, he had one thing to do, man. Glenn's a smart ass, right? Like, and that's what we come You're to like, learn a little I bit do? later. The one thing I told you to do, and you didn't. Exactly. And that's it what happens twice in this movie. <laughs> you get what you deserve. True. When they say sleep on it, he does for life. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> uh, but the one thing I, I do um, find interesting about him is that they really categorize him as like being extremely smart. 
Like he knows like history and and things like that. Like he, right. he, but these he, are all smart characters, and they also show that they all care for each other as well. Uh, it, it feels like a very strong uh, friend group. Right. It's like, oh, I don't believe you killed her. Like, I'm gonna be here defending for you. I want to make sure you're safe, even though you're in jail and you you are probably likely the suspect of someone who killed someone. Mm. Um, and he's there to support her as well. And even goes to her house, like, yeah, I'll do this thing for you. Although he fails to do it, he still means well right. in a lot of the stuff he does. And he does believe her and stuff like that too, where a lot of the adult characters do not. So at least they have a support system with one another too, yeah. which is cool. I agree. And one thing I would also like to point out as well is that like Nancy crawled so Sidney Prescott could run. Yeah. Right. Oh, this movie is Scream. Without a doubt, even the like beat by beat of like, hey, we get the first attack. Uh, then we get the school scene. Then we get someone who actually gets murdered. Then we get the police investigation and they're at the police department. And then we kind of get the reverse roles. Like, then they kind of have that sleepover. It's like, oh, you should stay at my place type mm-hmm. of thing. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of elements for this movie. I was like, oh, this is like a screen movie. Pretty much. But it's like, it's cool though. It works very well. And um, it does a lot of creativity with the concept of dreams. Yeah. And what's capable of exploring that kind of world. And they do build this dream world very well too. Oh, I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. Cut to Glenn and Nancy running inside the fifth precinct. She tells Garcia that she needs to see Rod again. He explains that he took he took the night shift for some peace and quiet. She slams on the counter that this is urgent. Meanwhile, Rod is asleep. His blankets start moving toward his neck as Freddy laughs. Glenn chimes in that they believe that something strange is going on there. Nancy Nancy's dad buds in uh, that he can't argue with that. She asks... Uh, why Why he's there, he explains that there is an unsolved murder and he doesn't like unsolved murders, especially ones that um, that involves his daughter. Ooh, asking her the same question. She wants to see if Rod is okay. Garcia comments that he's not going anywhere and he's sleeping like a baby. Mm, is he though? <laughs> the covers start wrapping around Rod's neck. Nancy wants him to just go down there and to look at him, pleading for her dad. He frustratedly agrees that he will, asking Garcia for the keys. Garcia searches uh, through a drawer, not able to find them. Rod begins waking up from as his blanket pulls on his neck. He screams for help as the p- blankets pull upward, hanging him in the cell. Damn. And it looks like his neck breaks. Uh, you you hear a neck crack as soon as they walk in. Uh, it's very weird because there is a sink right next to him. Like you just put your foot up there, but it's like you know, movie for movie's sake. Yeah. Uh, but right when the um, they unlock, you hear the neck break. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Then there you go. And sadly, it's in the captions too, where it says neck breaks. <laughs> oh, does it? That's <laughs> so yeah, they walk in, oh, that's right. There breaks. you go. Yeah. There you go. They it's missed it breaks. by seconds. Yeah. And that's sad to see too. Damn. But the sink was right there. <laughs> Put your foot up. You're true. fine. True, true, true. Uh, yeah. They make it down there in, um, in time to see him hanging from his cell. Garcia and Donald pull him down, pulling him out of the cell and lowering him down uh, gently, checking for his pulse, but they can't find one. Next day, they're at Rod's funeral. We couldn't have Tina's funeral, but we have Rod's. What the fuck? A character. That I thought that was weird. Care for, care I thought for? it was hers, and then they were gonna maybe have his casket as well, like a double funeral or some sure. type of thing. A double um, feature. <laughs> it, 
it's it's kind of sad to think about it in the character's perspective of for him for rod is that like you just saw your girlfriend die right in front of you and then you get hung like that's that's a sad tragic story which is why it makes so much sense for the for these cops right they're thinking it's a slam dunk case you're like right you know you're love, guilty you killed murder yourself. suicide yeah. kind of thing Nancy sits on the steps waiting for March to tell her when it's, when it's time to go. She takes Nancy to the car as Donald walks up to them. She tells him that the killer is, is still loose. He questions about who else uh, could have killed Tina. She explains that she doesn't know who he is, exp- um, uh, sharing his appearance to her parents. They're in shock as they know who she is talking about. Like, the way they look at each other, like, oh, fuck. How, she know that? <laughs> How does she know that? He stops. He stops her from talking by ushering her into the car, instructing March to keep uh, keep her home until the shock wears off. But she wants to get Nancy some help as she rushes um, into the car. How do one better? I'm gonna get her some help, Don. Nancy He's makes so it to aggressive. the sleep clinic. I know. Nancy makes it to the sleep clinic. She doesn't understand why Doctor Samuel King uh, can't give her a pill to stop dreaming. He expl- I mean, do they make those? <laughs> he explains that everyone has a dream because if the, if you don't, then you will quote unquote go as he points to his head. So how dare he? I don't First dream. All, you don't dream at all. Wow. Yeah. How does that feel? Well, apparently everyone dreams, but people who don't dream just don't remember. Just I guess. don't remember. Yeah, it. Something like that. Um, but I don't remember when I ever had like a last dream. Like I've dreamt before, sure, but I just don't dream at all. Interesting, because you know what? I'd be chasing my dreams. Uh-huh. Hey, yeah. So I haven't caught it yet. So you know, I'm just you know, that's why still we're still running, here. still that's chasing it, here. chasing the dream. Keeps turning corners on yeah. us. <laughs> I don't be living my dream. I'd be. Oh wait, that's sad. <laughs> I'll one day be living my dream. That's why I don't dream now. But Bitch, I have, but I, have, <laughs> I have dreams and aspirations, but not while I sleep. Okay, I don't know where I'm going with this. She looks over <laughs> to her mom, whispering no. She pleads for her daughter to trust them. Nancy is about to explain that it, that it isn't her that she doesn't trust, but she looks over at King and agrees to do the study. She closes her eyes. March kisses her and, thank, and thanks the nurse. And it's it feels more like Nancy only agrees to be like, fine, I'll fucking just show you. Right. And she she feels, at this point, she feels hopeful that this is just the case. Right. She's like, I'll do this thing for you, and hopefully you're right. Hopefully I am just imagining these things. Um, and she's willing to do it and try it out. And we've seen a lot of uh, love these like, cases where, like, I said, I'm like, exorcisms, like uh, the exorcists as well, mm. where there's cases where, yeah, they see this phenomenon and they believe it's something else, but at the same time, it's like, I want to explain it with science and medical treatment and kind of go through that route before anything else. Right. Um, and it's weird because it's very interesting because we could probably see that a lot in reality when people like see things or they have these uh, visions or whatever and they go through mental health facilities because of it. It's like, what if? You never know. You never know. The nurse lowers the back of the bed down and cutting off the lights. King and Marge are are watching from behind a glass. He asks how long uh, this is going to... Um, he asks how long has this been going on? It has been since the murder 
is, uh, excuse me, it has been since the murders, Marge says, adding that she was fine before that. But now she thinks that her dreams are real. He shares that there's no signs of pathology, guessing that they have a normal girl who's gone through two days of hell. Nancy, so damn, only two days has passed. <laughs> that was the fastest funeral ever. Right. Jesus. There, there's a lot of time jumps in here, too, because when, we'll talk about it later, but yeah. Yeah. Nancy officially falls asleep. Marge thanks God, asking what her what um our dreams anyway while pulling out a cigarette. King chuckles that they are mysteries, not knowing what they are or where they come from. R- really? They come from your mind? <laughs> like, what do you mean? No way. That was weird. I, I love that the, the doctor talks about the different levels about dreams, and he said, like, level four or five or something like that. Seven, I think, is what Seven? she like reached or some shit. Uh, and then she I've reaches like this before. Yeah, no, she reaches like level thirty. And yeah. you see the numbers keep going up. He's like, I've never seen this before. It's like that's how scary these fucking nightmares. I think it was the are. number that was highlighted, wasn't it? Uh, so he was talking about. Well, 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 I mean, we'll yeah, see yeah, it, we'll obviously. Right but what I like about King is that cat poster riding on the trolley train in San Francisco behind him. That's, oh. that's great. Oh, yeah. He's <laughs> oh, wearing a Hawaiian shirt. There's two key cats in there. He's on vacation right now in SF. Yeah, meow, meow. Meow, meow, Now Nancy reaches deep sleep as he shares that her heart rate is a little high, but thinks it is due to anxiety. I was cracking up when I saw it last night. Um, Because otherwise, she's fairly relaxed and she could dream at any time now. He continues that she's in REM and she's dreaming a good dream, educating that a nightmare would be a a plus or minus five or six, but she's about a three. Um, And you'll see, we'll see it right here. Um, oh, oh no, he's not showing it just yet, but d- damn, he got some big ass ears. Uh, but see, all right. You see on the bottom, that's like, it's, it's highlighted and oh, it's yeah. at seven. I think that's what, what it was instead of like the one right below it. Cause the one right below it was 30, but fuck, what do I know? Well, I don't know. I don't read these things. Now Nancy reaches deep sleep and, um, as right. And then there's one that's just like seven and it's highlighted. So I assume that's what he was talking about. But who knows? Um, Nancy starts flinching and grunting, and uh, she hears uh, she hears the screeches from Freddy's claws. Marge is wanting to know if she uh, what she is doing now, and she, if she's awake or asleep. He finds that something is wrong, admitting that it it's never gets this high. The monitor is showing either twenty seven or thirty. <laughs> uh, Marge grows more concerned, wanting to know what she's she is doing. Um, as she starts to writhe and reach out, they run into the room trying to calm her down and wake wake her back up. She even, she eventually wakes up. A streak in her hair is, has now turned gray. King fills up a syringe to give her a shot. The nurse explains that this will help her sleep. She screams no, pushing him back. The, um, that's when Marge notices her arm, yelling for them to get get her something. Nancy pulls out Freddie's hat from her, from her dream underneath the blankets, shocked that she. She brought something out of her dream. King and Marge are shocked as as she asks where she got it from. Nancy reveals that she grabbed it from his head. Damn. Back at home, Nancy overhears her mother on the phone telling Donald what happened. She raises her voice that she isn't crazy and that she's holding the hat in her hand, which she wasn't. Um, hanging <laughs> up the phone as she spots Nancy coming into the kitchen. She hides the bottle of alcohol. Nancy goes to the mug, chugging the coffee. Like By this point, girl... 
I caught Everyone your ass knows. fucking drinking alcohol at like eight in the morning. Come on. Several times. I don't get I don't get this mom's side story of being an alcoholic. Is it just that? She's just an alcoholic? I just don't get it. I don't get why make her the an alcoholic. <laughs> It's just an interesting piece of exposition that Even goes like mannerisms is just very off and very weird. Yeah. Like she's in a dream. Yeah. But we see her, her dream mom later and her dream mom later is like happy and go lucky and like I feel like a million bucks. <laughs> so yeah. It's interesting. <laughs> Man, Heather Langenkamp's face reactions like her expressions they're so pronounced. Yeah. You know, um, and I feel like that has continued with her even as she's aged. Cause even on like the midnight club, they're very pronounced facial expressions. So interesting. Marge knows that she hasn't gotten any sleep last night, reminding her what the doctor said. Nancy cuts her off um, to irritatingly question that she'll go even crazier. Marge claims that she doesn't she doesn't think she's crazy, moving the mug away from her to demand her to stop drinking it. Nancy goes over toward the phone, wanting to know if she asked Donald to have the hat examined. She admits that she threw it away. Not knowing where Nancy really found it, Nancy cuts her off that she learned she learned in the dream clinic knowing that Rod didn't kill Tina and he didn't hang himself. Moving closer to her, repeating that there's a guy hunting them in their dreams. Marge turns away, suggesting that not being real. Nancy grabs the hat out of the drawer, wanting her mom to feel it, knowing it is real. Marge tries to snatch it away, but Nancy moves away, continuing that it, um, it has his name in it, quote, Fred Krueger. End quote, showing her the inside as she repeats the name, wanting to know if her mo- her mother knew who that was. Marge tries to calm calm her down, claiming that she'll feel better once she gets some sleep. Nancy shows off her arm, asking if she can if she calls it feeling better, mocking her mother for getting drunk, thinking that they'll do her some good. Marge slaps her. Nancy slowly moves away from her. She explains that Freddy can't come after her because he's dead, wanting her to believe her. Nancy angrily approaches her with gritted teeth. She's upset that she knew about she knew about him this whole time, and now she's acting like she made it up. Marge mm. comments that there's uh, something wrong with her, and she's imagining things, knowing that she'll she'll feel better if she just sleeps. Grabbing the bottle of alcohol, Nancy snatches it from her hands, throwing it on the ground, yelling, "Screw sleep!" tossing the hat at her mom before walking out of the house. She calls out to Nancy that it's just a nightmare. She stops at the door, telling her mom that being that being enough and walking out. Oof. Man, dude. Interesting family dynamic, but okay. Yeah. But yeah, her mom definitely gaslights her. It's like, no, you're wrong. You're It's fake. Poor it's just fact. a nightmare. Um, yeah, it's, it's weird, though, her storyline. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's a weird, weird character. Be weird character. <laughs> yeah. She meets up with Glenn on the bridge over a lake. He tells her that whatever he, whenever he gets nervous, he eats. She chuckles that he, he can't do that if he's, um, Excuse me. She chuckles that when he can't do that, he sleeps. He admits that he used to, but he can't do that anymore. Asking if she has ever read about the um, Balinese 
excuse me, ever read about the Balinese way of dreaming? She hasn't. He explains that they have this whole system called dream skills. This kind of is like a little bit of what um, Dream Warriors was about. It's like this kind of dream skills thing where they kind of took over their own dreams and stuff like that. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like they have, like Freddy Krueger has powers, but you do too because you're in the dream world. Exactly. Yeah. You're in your dream. Yeah. So, like, for example, they figured out later, and it's, this is a slight spoiler, but they figured out later that um, if they sleep in the same, like, space or whatever, they could all end up in each other's dream. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, like, it, it's, super, it's super interesting because it's like they're, they're in, like, a mental facility. And it's all these people who are in the, these mental facilities because of Freddy Krueger. Huh. Yeah. It's super interesting. But, like, it comes, it, it gets to a point where, like, one kid turns into a fucking wizard. Um, another fuck? kid, like, has, a, like, she's a super badass chick with, like, switchblades and shit and, like, punk rock hair and, like, mohawks and shit. And it's cool. Uh, one one person you know enough said I'll watch this yeah dude you have to see have it, to see it. Yeah. you have to see it man it's it's really cool um dream warriors is rad it reminds me of new mutants yes and that's did. and that's what new mutants <laughs> was supposed to play off of. right yeah and that's that's why i had a lot of faith in new mutants right because they the whole thing that was, was the inspired yeah, by yeah. dream warriors and i was like fuck that's awesome the whole thing is inspired by dream warriors yeah f- let's fucking go no <laughs> yeah, yeah, even the like creatures through the wall type of thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. So that's okay. super interesting. But man, <laughs> shout out to Anya Taylor Joy, by the way. And she's killing it. Taylor Joy. Yeah, she is killing it. Um, but she definitely, there were some roles that were definitely questionable in her career. <laughs> and she turned that around and now she eats good cheeseburgers. Exactly. She yep, gets to eat the go. best cheeseburgers. Yeah. Or at least one. Guess you, you won't be able say to it's, again. Uh, fines. Keep cheeseburger. Okay. Raw fines. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <sighs> we got it. Yeah. <laughs> Share uh, <laughs> that it. they all uh, get all their art and literature from their dreams. Just have to wake up and write it down. She asks if they meet a monster in their dreams. He answers that they turn their back on it, taking away its powers, and it disappears. She wants to know what happens if they don't do that. He guesses that they don't wake up to tell what happens next. He ta- he takes her book. Uh, question entitled booby traps and Im- improvised anti-personnel devices he doesn't understand what she's reading that for she smiles that she's uh into survival before leaving him he shouts that he shouts out that she's starting to scare him <laughs> nancy um makes it back home to her house with her house windows all being barred she checks them oh noticing God. the trellis on the ground she smacks her her book on the beam before rushing inside angrily screaming for her mom mother Marge comes into the hallway with every flare of dramatic lighting her cigarette as soon as she sees her daughter. <laughs> Nancy asks what, uh, what's with the bar. She blames it on security. Nancy doesn't understand what it's for. Marge tells her that it isn't for what, but for whom. Opening the door, willing to tell her um, if she goes down, uh, down there with her into the cellar. She follows her mother downstairs, Marge opening up a furnace, asking if she wants to know who Fred Krueger was, revealing that he was a child murderer that killed at least 20 kids in the neighborhood, driving them crazy when they didn't know who it was. But it was worse when they caught him. She put, she pulls out a piece of, cl- of cloth, um, Nancy wanting to know if they, if they put him away. 
Marge responds that the lawyers got fat and the judge got famous. But somebody signed the search warrant for the wrong place, and Freddie got was free on a technicality. Nancy wants her, wants to know what she did. Marge explains that um excuse me, Marge explains that her and a bunch of her other parents tracked him down, finding him in an old abandoned boiler room where he w- used to take his kids. I hated that she said it that way. <laughs> when she yeah. said she used to take his kids, I'm like, ooh. Nah, I don't you gotta say it like that. She stops talking. Nancy wants wants her to continue. Marge continues sharing how they killed Freddie, pouring a trail of gasoline on the ground to the door, lighting it up and burning it and watching it burn, explaining that he can't get get her now because quote unquote mommy killed him. Showing her that she even took his glove and knives. Nancy becomes lightheaded, um, taking it all in as Marge claims that it is okay now and she can sleep. Cut to Glenn watching TV on his bed with his headphones on while he's listening to a record at the same exact time. Shouts out. Okay. <laughs> he hears his phone ringing. He uh, takes off his headphones and answers it. It's Nancy wanting him to stand by his window so she could see him because he seems far. <laughs> okay. I love like his style. <laughs> it's like uh, almost like a crop top it's jersey. It's awesome. It's got a handprint on the wall and there's like a little cat poster too. <laughs> I don't know what's up with these cats, but yeah, <laughs> I dig it. I definitely dig it. The other time we get to see that jersey uh, again is in Scream. Mm. Uh, what's her name? Tatum. Yeah, Tatum wears it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty great. Yep. Uh, he jokes that her mom went crazy at the security store today, asking how long it is. Um, it has been since she slept. She answers that it's coming up to the seventh day, but she checked and the record is 11. She tells him that she knows who the killer is, adding if that if he gets her, if he gets her, um, then she knows what she knows that he's next. He's surprised. Wanted to know why anyone want to kill him. She raises her voice for him not to ask, wanting some help when she brings him out of the, her dream. He doesn't understand how she plans on doing that. She explains that she'll she'll do it the same way that the um, same way she did that. Uh, excuse me. She explains that she'll do it the same way she did it for the hat, holding him while he wake while he wakes her up. He finds that to be impossible. She's offended and claims that they all would be able to calm down since she's she's nuts. He jokes that he can save her the trouble, calling her nuttier than a fruitcake, but <laughs> he loves her anyway. She smiles at that, calling that good, so he won't mind, quote-unquote, cold-cocking him um, when she brings him out. Cold-cocking. Hmm. Interesting way to say knock him out. Right. I mean, I get it. But, like, the fucking 80s, man. <laughs> he doesn't understand. She explains the plan. Um, she explains the plan on how he would whack the fucker. Um, he wants to know what. Like, um, how am I going to do it? <laughs> he wants to know with what. Since he's the jock, she knows that he has a bat or something. She tells him whatever he does, he can't fall asleep, confirming midnight with him. He doesn't answer, hanging up the phone and closing his curtain, moving back to his bed. So, is that a no? <laughs> a yes? Like, like that's that a mean? we'll see. <laughs> Back to my cat posters in bed. Uh, pretty much. Or they're even drawings. Yeah, I think they're drawings. <laughs> he even has like a very old drawing of like Nancy. Like it's like a childhood drawing of yeah, like birds, like little ducks. Yeah, yeah. Near a fence. Interesting. There's a, the very... thing. The one that gets me though is the picture by the mask. It but looks like Freddy Krueger on all four. Where is this? It's by the mask on the right hand side underneath the lamp. 
and it's a picture of a shadow figure oh. crawling. Interesting. Yeah, that's the one that gets me. Huh. Um, Nancy, Nancy is looking at a photo of all her friends before taking some caffeine pills. Meanwhile, Glenn's mom goes to check on him. He doesn't answer her. She turns off his TV, startling him awake. She smirks, wanting to know um, how he can watch TV and listen to records at the same time. He explains he wasn't listening to the TV, just waiting, um, just watching, and that Miss Nude America is about to come be on. She places her her arms on her hips, wanting to know how he's going to uh, hear what she says. He shrugs. Who cares what she says? <laughs> she jostles his head, telling him not to be a smart guy, wanting him to go to bed, and that it's almost midnight. He tells her that he will, wondering if they are going to bed soon too. They are. They are. She points. She points at him at, to get to bed. He looks at the time, it being eleven forty-two. It's funny because like she wakes him up to tell him to get to bed. <laughs> hey, wake up. Go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? I was asleep. <laughs> you just woke me up. Back with Nancy, okay. Marge is trying to convince her that the nightmare is over now, wanting her to get some sleep. Nancy entirely says okay as as her mother grabs her all the caffeine out, turning out the the lights and closing the door. Nancy gets out of the bed, grabbing her grabbing another pot of coffee and taking a sip from uh, before before changing her clothes, just straight up under her bed boss um she looks over at glenn's house his father standing outside staring at her she draws her curtains his wife comes out telling him that he shouldn't stare he thinks that nancy and some is some type of lunatic or something glenn's mom claims that marge is being extra cautious but he doesn't care not wanting her to hang around their son anymore nancy and uh, uh, Nancy has her alarm clock set, drying drying some blood from her arm. She puts her jacket on and goes to open the door, stopping when she spots her mother f- with another hidden bottle. Where was she planning on going? <laughs> to his house? Uh, to meet him at the porch. At the porch. Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> the hidden closet bottle was like kind of funny. It's like, and she bro, just chugs that thing bro. like no tomorrow. She's like, oh, man. It woes is me. <laughs> Woe is me. Yeah, it's uh it's interesting. Once again, I just I I'm curious as to why she has to be an alcoholic. Yeah. I have no idea why. So I'm I'm, I'm very excited for the past the trauma of killing a killer. Maybe. Like that's the only thing that makes sense to me is yeah. that she had to kill She's someone. Haunted by this past. Right. So she had and to he's keep back. secret and the secret's unraveling. Right. Mm, who knows she goes back to her desk calling glenn who's asleep in bed glenn's mother answers the phone telling her just a moment to let her husband know that it is her and she wants to speak with to glenn he wants to know about what she asks her uh, what it is about relaying it back to relaying it back to him telling him that she she says that it is private and important he takes the phone immediately telling her that glenn is asleep and she will have to speak to him tomorrow hanging up the phone turning back to his wife that they just have to be firm with these kids leaving the phone off the hook before they head upstairs. Nancy mm. tries to call again, but the line is busy. She looks outside the window, telling Glenn to not fall asleep. Her phone rings. She answers it, uh, thinking that it is Glenn. The sound of screeching is heard on the other line. She rips the phone out of the wall, screaming no, realizing that she has d- what she has done, but is too late. She wraps the wire around the phone and checks outside her her door. Her mother is no longer there, so now is her chance. This is cool um, because it's like she's dreaming while being awake. Right. And we see this even better in Freddy vs. Jason. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, or no, not Freddy vs. Jason. Excuse me. We see it in... Um, New Nightmare? 
no in uh the remake when he's actually in he's in the store with her when she's trying to pick up the pills and he's like slashing at her in the store mm. in the convenience store but she's awake in the convenience store just being fucking shackled and rocked it's nuts huh. It's nuts, and that, that's one of my favorite scenes in that movie. Um, but it's it's a pr- really really effective scene, and Rooney Mara is just like on the ground screaming, huh. and it's it's a very very effective scene. Um, you know who could probably do a fucking kick ass version of Nightmare on Elm Street? Um, God damn, his name was just uh, uh, David Bruckner. David Bruckner, yeah, yeah, I can see that. I mean, the ritual. Yeah, the ritual is a pretty good mm. statement. Yeah, Nighthouse dude, he like, can make floating people too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes, he can. <laughs> yes, he can indeed. I feel like he would do a really good job. I know a lot of people. He shows invisible footsteps. Was that oh, Mike Flanagan? Yeah, a lot of people are like a family want to do Mike, Mike Flanagan. Flanagan, Freddy Krueger story. That would be sick. That would be sick. I'm sure. I'm sure he's would be so down. A Nightmare at Hell House. Ooh. I'd be into it. I'd be into it. Maybe Nightmare this is something Island. we could we could talk about in the midnight hour. Yeah. If you if you're interested in that conversation, sign up on uh, patreon.com slash nightlightpod. Okay. The phone begins to ring with uh ring on their bed. She cautiously approaches the phone, checking the ripped wire. She answers it. Freddie responds that he's her boyfriend now. I'm yeah. your boyfriend now. He's his mouth is morphed to the bottom of the phone, licking her. She screams and throws the phone down on the ground, kicking the shit out of it, realizing what she said about uh, uh, realizing what he said about being her boyfriend. Nancy shoots downstairs, trying her best to get through the door, but it is locked. Her drunk mother is on the couch, repeating that it is locked, letting her know that she locked it all up, wanting her to get some sleep tonight, even if it kills her. Great use of words there, Ma. Mm-hmm. Nancy demands the key. Marge claims that she, that she can't, showing her robe that she doesn't have it on her. Okay, where is it? Fuck. She smacks the armrest. She's like defeated. Smacks the armrest. Damn it! Before walking off. Meanwhile, Glenn is asleep as the TV program is airing off. Um, he wakes up when Freddy's hand comes through the bed, dragging him into it. He screams no, calling for his parents as he's pulled deeper into the depths of the mattress. Nancy senses his danger from her mom as uh, from her home as she screams out to him. This was this shit was great. His bed gurgles until it shoots a glacier of blood onto the ceiling his mother coming into his room screaming from the carnage that her son has left behind oh my god holy shit like it is hitting so hard on that ceiling that it almost is like going to shake that fucking light off uh that's a lot of blood that's a lot of blood i don't think we have that much blood but uh, I know we got a lot of blood. But I don't think we got that much blood. <laughs> like that feels a whole fucking like ceiling of blood. But this scene is just it, iconic, absolutely. But it's just as iconic as the elevator scene in The Shining. Oh, hundred percent. Like this scene is a great use of blood here. Like I say, this scene is on par with The Evil Dead. The, the of the it's uses the of rise, buckets of blood yeah. there. Um, um, The Shining, obviously. Like the, the, this movie really just had a fucking grasp on like this is our last kill. We need to go fucking big. hard. Yes, like this is our last this is be one. Huge. So yeah. 
Cuts of paramedics rushing the, rushing to the house. A few cops claiming that they'll need a mop um, and not a stretcher. Fucked up to say that like what? out loud, dude. Yeah. Come on, um, he ain't wrong. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely not wrong. I like also too. He has a stuffed animal that's a vulture perched on his bed on the left hand side next yeah. to the Statue of Liberty. Super interesting. Being picked off, yeah, by Liberty. <laughs> Okay. Uh, <laughs> Donald pulls up to the scene, speaking to, to an officer, claiming that he's never seen anything like this before. Knowing it, it was his neighborhood, so he decided to call him right away. Donald um, peers across or peeks across the street, um, seeing his daughter crying as she stares at him from the window. He waves at her before going inside Glenn's house. One of the officers places a bucket of of bucket on the ground from the blood leaking through the ceiling. Glenn's dad can't take the sight of the blood spilling from the ceiling. Don receives a call from Nancy on the Lance's line. He picks up the phone, Nancy telling him that she knows who, uh, what happened. He shares that he uh, he hasn't been upstairs yet. She asks if he knows um, that he, he's dead. He agrees that he apparently is. I mean, apparently. Um, she gives him a proposition, telling him to listen very carefully, wanting to get the guy who did this, willing to bring him out as long as he arrests him. He wants her to uh, to tell him who did it, and he'll be willing to, uh, to get him. Who did it, baby? I'll get him. <laughs> it's very interesting. I'm still kind of deconstructing the, the blood scene. Yeah. There's a point where it shifts left. Yeah, I noticed And that. it starts flowing left. Yeah. I wonder why. Think it's a reverse of the camera, huh? Yeah, because I think this was shot in reverse. You're right. Yeah, yeah. But they like purposely show it going. Left. Oh yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's yeah, like it's, it's like the blood is being like dr- like drank by the house or like the the house is drinking the blood. That or like it's gonna go to like Nancy's house next. It's pointing towards her direction, right? As well. Yeah. Like, oh, huh. Pretty cool. Uh, she shares that Fred Krueger did it and that she's the only one who can get him, instructing him to come there and break the, break the door down in exactly 20 minutes. He agrees that, that he can do that. She explains that um, it'll, be past, it'll be half past midnight, enough time for her, for her to fall asleep and find him. He agrees that she needs to get some sleep, reminding her that's what, what he's been, been telling her all along. That's what I've been telling you. Just get some sleep, all right? Relax. You motherfucker. She <laughs> she questions if uh, if he'll be there to catch him. And Officer Sergeant Parker comes down to let him know that they're they're waiting for him upstairs. He motions to Parker, telling his daughter to um, that he'll be there, pleading for her to get some rest. He hangs up the phone after telling her that he loves her, instructing Parker to watch his house outside, wanting him to call him if he sees anything funny. Parker doesn't understand. Donald isn't sure either. Just wanting to make sure that Nancy doesn't come over there, knowing that he'll that she wouldn't be. Able able to handle this meanwhile nancy is setting up her booby traps like she's fucking home alone we got we got trip wires bulbs with with gunpowder additional locks sledgehammers that are held up by wire what else can she do back with with donald going to check the scene he doesn't even make it through the door without turning back around one of the officers doesn't understand what can do something like that Donald wonders what the coroner has has to say about it but he's been in the bathroom throwing up ever since he saw it 
Great. Nancy is putting her mother uh, to bed, Marge apologizing for not telling her about Freddy Krueger, thinking that she was protecting her and not seeing how much she needed to know. Knowing her nature and gift is is to face these things. But sometimes she has to turn away too. She takes the bottle, putting the cap back on it and putting it on her nightstand. With tears in her eyes, Nancy tells her that she loves her and her mother returns the gesture. Nancy heads back into her room, setting her alarm clock, speaking to Kruger, willing to play in his court. She closes her shades, sitting in bed and saying a prayer before lying down in bed. Thinking about, uh, which is interesting because it's the soul. The Lord's Prayer. Yeah, Yeah. my soul to take. Well, it's not the Lord's Prayer. Yeah, it's uh, my soul to take prayer. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Keep, And if I die before I wake... I pray, I pray the, the Lord, Lord my soul to take. Which is interesting because that's also Wes Craven's last movie before he passed. Hmm. Was my soul to take. Not a good movie. But thinking about what her, what her and Glenn's conversation on the bridge about um, dream skilling from the, uh, from the Balinese, she falls asleep. Entering into her dream and heading downstairs in search for Freddy. She opens she opens up the cellar door and heads downstairs, checking the furnace for the glove, but it's no longer inside the cloth. She hears a metallic screeching coming from the, from another door. She heads toward it and opens it to an, into another set of stairs. She goes down the steps, hearing Tina call out to her while Freddy laughs. He says that he's going to get, to get her while laughing, Repl- replying... Or replaying, Glenn screams as she goes down to set a set of spiral stairs. She makes it to the boiler, ignoring the deadly cries from Tina and Glenn coming across a ladder. She goes down with determination, yelling out, Kruger, I'm here! It's like, I know. Don't you hear all the shit I'm playing for you right now? I know you're here. Think I just do this to do this? (laughs) The fuck? Nothing. Nancy um, continues walking down the corridor of pipes and steam, making it into an area with a bed and a crucifix inside. He peeks from around the corner, and the screeching noise gathering her attention, but she doesn't see him. His glove crawls away from sight. She keeps moving, finding Glenn's bloody headphones on the ground and yelling for him to come out and show himself. She checks her timer upset that she's running out of time he appears right next to her and starts chasing her she jumps off the stairs landing in on the ground outside her house upset that he's no longer following her um as um, as her watch begins counting down from 10 he calls out he calls out to her from the trellis she jumps on him that she has she has him now Nancy shakes herself awake before uh, from the alarm clock going off she's back in bed looking around for a moment feeling defeated that he's not there Thinking that she's crazy after all, Freddy then jumps up from the other side of the bed, trying to grab her. She runs on the other side, hitting him in the head with a co- with the coffee pot. She makes a run for it, trying to trap him, uh, trying to trap a excuse me, tying the trap around the door handle, mocking him to come get her. He gets he bangs on the door. She runs out out towards the window, yelling for for help, and that she has him trapped, wanting her dad. Parker yells back that everything is fine and going to be all right as un- and, and is under control. She yells I hate for, this guy. Yeah, he's an idiot. She yells for uh for him to get her dad, calling him an asshole while running back inside the house. Get my dad, you asshole! He still doesn't. No, he still <laughs> doesn't. At that moment. I love how later, though, he's like, maybe I should get the chief. <laughs> yeah, she, she's yelling for help, and he said, like, if there's anything weird, come get me, or whatever, break through, or whatever. She ends up breaking a window, and he's like, eh, maybe I should get him. Like, <laughs> after breaking a window. And she's uh, right across the street, but he's making it seem like she's down the block. Freddy bursts out of the room and gets hit with a sledgehammer. He falls over the banister and down the stairs in front of Nancy. 
Um, he or she jumps over him, continuing to mock him to catch her. He threatens that he's going to split her in two. She ducks under the couch as Freddie activates the tripwire, exploding the light bulb, which no one else hears. She breaks another window, calling for her dad to help her. Parker finds this now to be a good time to tell tell him what's going on. Freddie appears behind her, swiping at her and chasing her. She runs down into the cellar as as he threatens to kill her slow, but he can't find her. She com- she comes from around the corner, calling out to him, throwing kerosene on him. Damn, double fire. He's, he screams... Uh, <laughs> Tom. He screams no as she lights a set of matches, throwing throwing them on him. While being on fire, he chases after her. Running up the stairs, she hits him with the door, causing him to fall back down the stairs. Nancy yells out of the window that she did it, pleading for him to hurry. Donald runs over, yelling for Parker to help him help him get the door open. He goes up to the door, but he's not able to open it by himself. His squad comes over to assist him. They manage to break through. Nancy runs out... Uh, uh, excuse me. Nancy runs out of his clutches to go toward the cellar door. The other cops run downstairs. She notices that he no, he's no longer there, seeing the fiery footsteps going up the stairs. She doesn't understand what's going on as she as she knows that he's after her mother. She she makes it to her room where Freddie is on top of Marge, choking her. Nancy picks up the chair, fucking wrestling style, fucking smacking him with it. Donald um, comes up and covers them with a blanket. She yells for him to watch out and that freddy's under there he slowly takes the covers off revealing that marge is now just a charred skeleton she floats into a stormy hole in her bed nancy jumping at the jumping at the bed um hitting it as as she calls for her mother getting out of getting out of the bed asking him if he believes her now parker comes out to check on them donald closes the door ignoring him uh to hug his daughter i love get out here parker yeah he's just like no doesn't even say shit he just closes the door and just like not now. <laughs> she claims that she's okay. Really? You just watched your mom fucking perish. Yeah. Like right like in the front underworld of you. or something. Yeah, like, shit. like she's with Hades. Yeah. <clears throat> Wanting him to go downstairs and that she'll she'll be there in a minute. I don't know why she's taking the fuck around. She checks the bed, the door closing by itself. She turns around around allowing freddie to come through the sheets she uh, she knows that he's there as he tears through the sheets he questions if she thought he was going to get away from her i do love this though like it's like blood is on the sheets staining right it. it's, it's getting stretched kind of out a little mist and smoke from yeah, the uh from him being charred i love this i think it's really really clever and, re- and um very well done um and i like how he just cuts through it and reveals his second piece of his burning face um she know or but she knows him too well now he tells her to die but it's too late because she knows the secret knowing that this is just a dream and he's not alive demanding for her mother and friend and friend take and friends excuse me taking back every bit of energy she gave him calling him nothing. She goes for the door. He tries to pounce on her, but he turns into static, disappearing with a scream. Nancy opens the door, it taking her directly to outside during the during the daylight. She's surprised that it's so bright, her mother coming right behind her, stating that it'll, it'll burn off soon, so, um, or excuse me, it'll burn off soon, or it uh, wouldn't be so bright. 
Nancy asks if she's feeling better. Marge claims that she feels like a million bucks, thinking she's going to stop drinking. Touching <laughs> Nancy's face, wondering if she kept her up last night. Nancy tells her no, guessing that she's just uh, she just slept heavy. She rubs her arm, the scar no longer being there. Glenn pulls up in his convertible with Tina and Rod in the back, commenting about the fog. Marge believes that anything is possible. Glenn pulls, pulls his top back. It slams overhead, startling everyone in the car. But they all burst into laughter, not nervous laughter, I should say, not noticing the red and green stripes on the other end. The car then has a mind of its own, the windows letting up and locking them inside. Nancy bangs on the window for her mother, but she just stands there and smiles and waves. The car driving down the street, past the nursery rhyme singing kids, Freddie breaks through the glass and of the, on the door, <laughs> grabbing Marge and, calling her, and pulling her inside as the children continue singing and jumping rope. Then, credits. Are you laughing at the fact that it's just a doll? Yeah. Being pulled into the house? It's pretty great. You should even see the face of the doll if you can, if you could, like, pause it in time. Like, the window, obviously, is one of those fake windows. Right. The brick and then glass. she's, like, screaming. Pull the head. <laughs> oh, you can like, even see, like, the arm the right arm. here. It's everything. Yeah, it's all the inflatable pieces. Yeah, it's just just a fake dummy, obviously. Another thing I like is that you see like messed up paint on the door. <laughs> it's great. It, it's just it's just a it's pr- iconic. It's you beautiful. can definitely tell it's just a prop door, but yeah. Pretty fucking great. Man, this movie rules though. This it's movie fucking rules. Credits. Dude. Ah. But I got some motherfucking movie facts. Well, movie facts. <gasps> Heather Langenkamp's boyfriend at the time of the shooting is credited. In, oh, I, yeah, I mentioned this earlier. It's credited for creating Freddy's nursery rhyme. Yeah, yeah. All of the boiler room foot. All of the boiler room footage in the film was shot in the basement of Lincoln Heights Jail in Los Angeles, which was condemned shortly after production wrapped due to the high levels of, of asbestos. Oh, perfect. Great. So they were hallucinating for real. Great. Um, the original script, Freddie was a child molester. However, the decision um, was made to change him into being a child murderer to avoid accusations of exploiting a series of child molestations in California around that time of production. He was rewritten as a child molester in the 2010 remake starring J- um, Jackie Earl Har- um, Haley. That was his name. I think they brought it back for that. Yeah. <clears throat> I remember that story. Yeah. Not the best. Yeah. Heather Langenkamp beat over 200 actresses for the role of Nancy Thompson among Jennifer Grey, Demi Moore, Courtney wow. Cox, wow. Tracy Gold, and Claudia Wells. Hmm. It's like Courtney Cox who didn't get it, but stick around. Stick around. I can get you somewhere. The original glove was later used on A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. He was also seen hanging on the wall of the workshed in Evil Dead 2. This was in response to the use of the Evil Dead movie on the television screen in in this film and part of continued banter between directors Wes Craven and Sam Raimi. However, when Wes Craven loaned the gloves to the Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors, it got lost and it was rumored to be uh, in possession of Robert England's agent. Hmm. Sus. Sus. Uh, Let's do a couple more. Uh, The... Inspiration for the character of Freddy came from several sources in Wes Craven's childhood. Fred Krueger was a a schoolmate of his with whom he shared a paper route and who had bullied him for several years. In the house on the left, 
1972, Craven also used the experience as inspiration, calling the villain Krug. That's true. <laughs> uh, Freddy's, Bur- Freddy's burns came from a man with severe burn scars by whom Craven had once been terrified as a child. And Freddy's attire, especially the dirty clothes and the hat, was inspired by the alcoholic hobo that Craven saw st- um, staring at him through the window one day when he was 10 years old. Uh, sketch. <laughs> He's like, this gives me nightmares. Speaking of that, scratch, <laughs> let scratch, me scratch, write scratch. that down. <laughs> It would take about three hours to get Robert England into his Freddy makeup. Damn. That might explain why he doesn't have that many scenes in this movie. Right. Because, I mean, later down the line, he has a shit ton of scenes in all the later stuff, for sure. Yeah. I mean, for makeup, you said three hours? Three hours. That's not a lot with uh, today's standards, too. Oh, yeah, no. There's people who spend, like, 12 hours in the chair. Daenerys in Game of Thrones. (laughs) That was, like, six hours. That's insane. I'm like, you're putting on a wig. Yeah. Wait, wait, what are we doing? It's a really nice wig. It is a really nice wig. Yeah. But it was just like, put it on. <laughs> put it on. But I guess it takes a lot, obviously it takes a lot more work that, to make something like that. Shout out to costume designers but, yeah. and like makeup artists. Oh, for The unsung for heroes real, that, don't, that don't get enough credit. Absolutely. Shout out to them. Uh, man, this movie's great. This movie is fucking great. We want to definitely keep this conversation going, and you can do so over on our Discord, which is inside of our show notes, or you can head over to our Twitter, at nightlight underscore pod. Either or, we want to keep this conversation going. But the next film that our ghoulish knights have selected is Deep Red. Ooh. It was Deep Red versus Tenebra, and Deep Red won. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Me too. You've seen it. Wait. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's I one know. of my favorites from from Argento. So I'm I'm, I'm excited this one got chosen. If it's Very anywhere exciting. near malignant, I'm in. No. no. <laughs> no. Same same. Completely but, different. Yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> anyway, this was <laughs> Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I was one of your host Prince, also known as Head Night. Alongside me, I had Freddie. One, two, Freddy's coming for you. <gasps> He's here. Always keeping it spoopy. <laughs> also known as Nighty Night. With your help, we can reach more ghoulish nights with your recommendation to someone who would actually enjoy the show. If your podcast app allows you to rate our show, consider giving us a five-star rating as it honestly does help us out a ton. For extra horror-related content, head over to patreon.com slash nightlightpod. That's not the one. Three, four, K. That did Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, remember everybody, don't forget, 